Section 28 of Final Report of the Advisory Committee on Human Radiation Experiments. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Patrick McAfee, Evanston. Final Report of the Advisory Committee on Human Radiation Experiments, Case Studies, Chapter 5, Part 2. The Manhattan District Experiments The First Injection A few days after Hempelman's March 26, 1945 recommendation that a hospital patient be injected with plutonium, Wright Langham of the Los Alamos Laboratories Health Division sent five micrograms of plutonium to Dr. Friedel with instructions for their use on a human subject. The subject, as it turned out, was already in the Oak Ridge Army Hospital, a victim of an auto accident that had occurred on March 24, 1945. He was a 53-year-old colored male named Ebb Cade, who was employed by an Oak Ridge construction company as a cement mixer. The subject had serious fractures in his arm and leg, but was otherwise well-developed and well-nourished. The patient was able to tell his doctors that he had always been in good health. Mr. Cade had been hospitalized since his accident, but the plutonium injection did not take place until April 10. On this date, HP-12, the codename HP, human product, was later assigned to this patient and to patients at the University of Rochester, was reportedly injected with 4.7 micrograms of plutonium. It is important here to distinguish between administered dose and retained dose. Not all of the injected dose would remain fixed in the body. It was not known with certainty, however, how much of the 4.7 micrograms of plutonium would remain in his body. The small amount of material injected into Mr. Cade would not be expected to produce any acute effects, and there is no indication that any were experienced. However, except for his fractures, Mr. Cade was apparently in good health and at age 53 could reasonably have been expected to live for another 10 to 20 years. Thus, in Mr. Cade's case, the risk of a plutonium-induced cancer could not be ruled out. Dr. Joseph Howland, an army doctor stationed at Oak Ridge, told AEC investigators in 1974 that he had administered the injection. There was, he recalled, no consent from the patient. He acted, he testified, only after his objections were met with a written order to proceed 
from his superior, Dr. Friedel. Dr. Friedel told advisory committee staff in an interview that he did not order the injection and that it was administered by a physician named Dwight Clark, not Dr. Howland. The committee has not been able to resolve this contradiction. Measurements were to be taken from samples of Mr. Cade's blood after four hours, his bone tissue after 96 hours, and his bodily excretions for 40 to 60 days thereafter. His broken bones were not set until April 15, five days after the injection, when bone samples were taken in a biopsy. Although this was several weeks after his injury, during this era, when antibiotics were only beginning to become available, it was common practice to delay surgery if there was any sign of possible infection. One document records that Mr. Cade had marked tooth decay and gum inflammation, and 15 of his teeth were extracted and sampled for plutonium. The committee has not been able to determine whether the teeth were extracted primarily for medical reasons or for the purpose of sampling for plutonium. In a September 1945 letter, Captain David Goldring at Oak Ridge informed Langham that more bone specimens and extracted teeth will be shipped to you very soon for analysis. It remains unclear whether these additional bone specimens were extracted at the time of the April 15 operation or later. According to one account, Mr. Cade departed suddenly from the hospital on his own initiative. One morning, the nurse opened his door and he was gone. Later, it was learned that he moved out of state and died of heart failure on April 13, 1953, in Greensboro, North Carolina. The experiment at Oak Ridge did not proceed as planned. Before and after urine samples were mistakenly commingled, so no baseline data on kidney function was available. Thus, the subject's kidney function would be difficult to assess. In May 1945, Dr. Stone convened a conference on plutonium in Chicago to discuss health issues related to plutonium, including the relationship between dose and excretion rate, the permissible body burden, and potential therapy and protective measures. Wright Langham spoke about the Oak Ridge injection at the conference, carefully qualifying the reliability of the excretion data obtained from Mr. Cade. Langham observed that, quote, the patient might not have been an ideal subject in that his kidney function may not have been completely normal at the time of injection, end quote, as indicated by protein tests of his urine. The Chicago Experiments On April 11, 
the day after the oak ridge injection heimer friedel transmitted the protocol describing the experiment on mr cade to louis hempelman at los alamos Quote, everything went very smoothly he wrote and i think that we will have some very valuable information for you End quote. he then went on to discuss the injection of more patients quote, i think that we will have access to considerable clinical material here and we hope to do a number of subjects at such time as we line up several patients i think we will make an effort to have mr langham here to review our setup End quote. subsequently between late april and late december of nineteen forty five three cancer patients codenamed chi-1 2 and 3 were injected with plutonium at least two and possibly all three were injected at the billings hospital of the university of chicago the doses to subjects chi-2 and chi-3 were the highest doses administered to any of the 18 injection subjects approximately 95 micrograms however the amount of material injected was still below what would be expected to produce acute effects moreover unlike mr cade all three of these patients were seriously ill and at least two of them died within ten months of receiving the injection that the injection of seriously ill patients was an intentional strategy to contain risk is indicated in a nineteen forty six report on chi one and chi two quote some human studies were needed to see how to apply the animal data to the human problems hence two people were selected whose life expectancy was such that they could not be endangered by injections of plutonium End quote. it remains a mystery why chi three was not included in this report on april twenty sixth nineteen forty five chi one a sixty eight year old man who had been admitted to billings hospital in march was injected with six point five micrograms of plutonium at the time of injection he was suffering from cancer of the mouth and lung the patient reportedly quote, remained in fair condition until august nineteen forty five when he complained of pain in the chest End quote. his lung cancer had apparently spread and he died on october three nineteen forty five the next injection took place eight months later chi two was a fifty five year old woman with breast cancer who had been admitted to billings hospital in december nineteen forty five after the cancer had already spread throughout her body the nineteen forty six report recorded that quote, 
the patient's general condition was poor at the time of admission and deteriorated steadily throughout the period of hospitalization End quote. she was injected with ninety five micrograms of plutonium on december twenty seventh and died on january thirteenth nineteen forty six there is little known about the condition of chi three the other subject who was injected with approximately ninety five micrograms he was a young man suffering from hodgkin's disease reportedly injected on the same date as chi two his condition at the time of injection remains unknown as does his date of death there is some question whether he was injected at billings hospital or at another hospital in the chicago area there was no discussion of consent in the original reports on the chicago experiments however a draft report on an interview conducted with e r russell for the 1974 AEC investigation into the experiments, Russell was co-author of the 1946 report on the Chicago experiments. Summarized Russell's description of consent as follows, quote, He prepared the plutonium solutions for injection and acted together with a nurse as witness to the fact that the patient was or had been informed that a radioactive substance was going to be injected. The administration of this substance, according to what was said in obtaining consent, was not necessarily for the benefit of the patients, but might help other people. End quote. To say that the injection was not necessarily for the benefit of the patient implies that there was some chance these patients might benefit. In fact, there was no expectation that this would occur. Russell's account was obtained in the context of an official inquiry into his conduct and the conduct of the other investigators and officials involved in the plutonium injections, an inquiry that focused on whether consent was obtained from the subjects. We have no way of corroborating this account or of assessing what Dr. Russell's motivations were in explaining the plutonium injections to the subjects in the way claimed. The Rochester Experiments By the time the war began, the University of Rochester, which had a cyclotron, had assembled a group of first-rate physicists and medical researchers who were pioneering the new radiation research. Following the selection of the university's Stafford Warren to head its medical division, the Manhattan Project turned to Rochester for an increasing share of its biomedical research, including, in particular, research needed to set standards for worker safety. The university's metabolism ward at what is now the Strong Memorial Hospital became the central Manhattan district site for the administration 
of isotopes to human subjects. The two-bed ward, headed by Dr. Samuel Bassett, was part of the Manhattan District's Special Problems Division, which worked on the health monitoring of production plants, the development of monitoring instruments, and research on the metabolism and toxicology of long-lived radioactive elements. An experimental plan called for 50 subjects altogether in five groups of 10 subjects each. Each group would receive plutonium, radium, polonium, uranium, or lead. Although the exact number of subjects remains unknown, at least 22 patients were administered long-lived isotopes in experiments with plutonium, 11 subjects, polonium, 5 subjects, and uranium, 6 subjects. At the time the experiment was being designed, the main selection criterion for the subjects chosen at Rochester for the plutonium experiment was that they have a metabolism similar to healthy Manhattan Engineer District workers. In a work plan for the plutonium study, based on a September 1945 meeting with a representative of Colonel Warren's office and the Rochester doctors, Langham wrote, quote, The selection of subjects is entirely up to the Rochester group. At the meeting, it seemed to be more or less agreed that the subjects might be chronic arthritics, patients with serious collagen vascular diseases such as scleroderma, or carcinoma patients without primary involvement of bone, liver, blood, or kidneys. It is of primary importance that the subjects have relatively normal kidney and liver function as it is desirable to obtain a metabolic picture comparable to that of an active worker. Undoubtedly, the selection of subjects will be greatly influenced by what is available. The above points, however, should be kept in mind. End quote. Although this protocol specifies cancer patients as potential subjects, evidently the deliberate choice was made later by the experimenters to select patients without malignant diseases in the hope of ensuring normal metabolism. Thus, no cancer patients were included among the plutonium subjects at Rochester. Preference appears to have been given to patients the doctors believed would benefit from additional time in the hospital. An additional perspective on the selection of subjects for the plutonium experiments is provided in three retrospective reports written by Wright Langham. In a 1950 report on the plutonium project, including the experiments conducted at Rochester, Langham wrote that, quote, as a rule, the subjects chosen were past 45 years of age and suffering from chronic disorders such that survival for 10 years was highly improbable. 
End quote. In subsequent reports, Langham refers to the plutonium subjects as having been, quote, hopelessly sick, end quote, and, quote, terminal, end quote. Documents retrieved for the advisory committee show that all but one of the plutonium subjects at Rochester suffered from chronic disorders such as severe hemorrhaging secondary to duodenal ulcers, heart disease, Addison's disease, cirrhosis, and scleroderma. One subject, Ida Schultz-Charlton, did not have any such condition. According to the draft of the 1950 report, she was misdiagnosed, quote, a woman aged 49 years may have a greater life expectancy than originally anticipated due to an error in the provisional diagnosis, end quote. Most of the subjects at Rochester were not terminally ill, and at least some of them had the potential to live more than 10 years. Three of the Rochester subjects were known to still be living at the time of the 1974 AEC investigation into the plutonium experiments. Whether the inclusion of subjects at Rochester with the potential to live more than 10 years is an indication that the investigators were not using Langham's criterion to select subjects or that they erred in their predictions is unclear. Judgments about the life expectancy of the chronically ill are difficult to make and often in error, even today. The likelihood that long-term risks can be altogether eliminated does exist, however, if the subject is in the terminal stages of an illness and death is imminent. This was recognized by the plutonium investigators and it led to the observation that the use of a terminal patient permitted a larger dose, which would make analysis easier. The first terminal patient at Rochester was injected toward the end of that series, and the possibility of further injections into terminal patients was discussed explicitly. In a March 1946 letter, Wright Langham wrote to Dr. Bassett, the primary physician investigator at Rochester, quote, In case you should decide to do another terminal case, I suggest you do 50 micrograms instead of 5. This would permit the analysis of much smaller samples and would make my work considerably easier. I feel reasonably certain that there would be no harm in using larger amounts of material if you are sure the case is a terminal one, as was done in two of the three Chicago injections. End quote. As was the case at Oak Ridge and Chicago, there was no expectation that the patient subjects at Rochester would benefit medically from the plutonium injections. 
the advisory committee found no documents that bear directly on what if anything the subjects were told about the injections and whether they consented the recollections of at least some of those intimately involved have survived however and these recollections all suggest that the patients did not know they had been injected with radioactive material or even that they were subjects of an experiment milton stat the son of a rochester subject told the advisory committee the following at a meeting in santa fe new mexico on january thirty nineteen ninety five quote my mother jan stat had a number hp eight she was injected with plutonium on march ninth nineteen forty six she was forty one years old and i was eleven years old at the time my mother and father were never told or asked for any kind of consent to have this done to them my mother went in to the hospital for scleroderma and a duodenal ulcer and somehow she got pushed over into this lab where these monsters were End quote. dr hempelman in an interview for the nineteen seventy four aec investigation said he believed that the patients injected with plutonium were deliberately not informed about the contents of the injections dr patricia durbin a university of california researcher who in nineteen sixty eight undertook a scientific reanalysis of the experiments reported on a visit with dr christine waterhouse in nineteen seventy one dr waterhouse was a medical resident at rochester at the time of the plutonium injections durbin wrote the following regarding the rochester subjects who were still alive quote, she dr waterhouse believes that all three persons would be agreeable to providing excretion samples and perhaps blood samples but they are all quite old in their middle or late seventies and cannot travel far more important they do not know that they received any radioactive material End quote. in notes on a nineteen seventy one telephone conversation with wright langham dr durbin wrote quote, he is i believe distressed by the fact that the injected people in the hp series were unaware that they were the subjects of an experiment this recollection is even more troubling than the recollections of doctors waterhouse and hempelman as it indicates not only the subjects did not know that they were being injected with plutonium or a radioactive substance but also that they did not know even that they were subjects of an experiment. Even the doctors in charge of some of the injections at Rochester may not have known what they were injecting into patients. In 1974, Dr. Hempelman 
suggested that the physician who actually injected the solution quite possibly did not know of its contents. Further evidence suggesting that the patient subjects were never told what was done to them comes from 1950 correspondence between Langham and the physicians at Rochester. These physicians' investigators were looking for signs of long-term skeletal effects in follow-up studies with two of the subjects at Rochester. Langham wrote to Rochester that he was, quote, very glad to hear that you will manage to get follow-ups on the two subjects. The x-rays seem to be the all-important thing, but please get them in a completely routine manner. Do not make the examination look unusual in any way, End quote. Moreover, a letter from Langham to Dr. Bassett discussed the undesirability of recording plutonium data in the Rochester subjects' hospital records. Quote, I talked to Colonel Stafford Warren on the phone yesterday, and he recommended that I send copies of all my data to Dr. Andrew Dowdy, where it would be available to you and Dr. Robert M. Fink to observe. He thought it best that I not send it to you because he wanted it to remain in the Manhattan Project files instead of taking a chance on it finding its way into the hospital records. I think this is probably a sensible suggestion. End quote. Uranium Injections at Rochester Under the Manhattan Engineer District Program, physicians at the Rochester Metabolism Ward also injected six patients with uranium in the form of uranyl nitrate enriched in the isotopes uranium-234 and uranium-235 to establish the minimum dose that would produce detectable kidney damage due to the chemical toxicity of uranium metal and to measure the rate at which uranium was excreted from the body. To achieve the first objective, the experimenters used a higher dose with each new subject until the first sign of minimal kidney damage occurred. Damage occurred in the sixth and last subject at a calculated amount of radioactivity of 0.03 microcuries, indicated by protein tests of his urine. Unlike the plutonium injections, this was an experiment that evidently was designed not only to obtain excretion data, but to cause actual physical harm, however minimal. Thus, although the investigators could reasonably view the plutonium injections as an experiment that was extremely unlikely to produce acute effects, this was not true of the uranium experiment, which was intended to produce acute effects. As with the plutonium injections, the uranium injections also posed a long-term risk of the development of cancer. 
the committee does not know in this case how long subjects survived after injection there is no documentation of follow-up with these subjects as there is for some of the subjects of the plutonium injections the subjects of this experiment like some of the plutonium injection subjects were not at risk of imminent death but did suffer from chronic medical conditions such as rheumatoid arthritis alcoholism malnutrition cirrhosis and tuberculosis according to dr bassett again the primary investigator the subjects quote, were chosen from a large group of hospital patients criteria of importance in making the selection were reasonably good kidney function with urine free from protein and with normal sediment on clinical examination the probability that the patient would benefit from continued hospitalization and medical care was also a factor in the choice End quote. the nineteen forty eight report on the experiment did not discuss the question of consent we were not able to locate any documents that bear on what if anything the subjects were told about the uranium injections nor have any relevant recollections about the experiment survived two 1946 documents however discussing whether dr bassett should be permitted to give a departmental seminar on the excretion rate of uranium in humans illustrate the secrecy that surrounded these injections and suggest that the subjects were not informed of the experiment by the time of this correspondence the uranium research with animals at rochester had been declassified the first document a letter written by andrew dowdy the director of the manhattan department at the university of rochester to a manhattan district area engineer requesting permission for bassett to give the seminar included the following quote, i feel that there is no reason why he should not discuss this matter and i believe that the fact that this information was actually obtained on his own patients is of more concern to himself than to the district End quote. in the second document an inter-office memorandum the area engineer discussed this point and more quote, dr dowdy states that the patients were dr bassett's but it should be borne in mind that all the work performed by dr bassett was performed at the request of the manhattan district medical section this seminar is to be conducted for persons who are all doctors of medicine and it is doubtful if this information would get out to any of the families of the patients or the patients on whom the experiments were performed at the time these experiments were started this office was given strict orders that the information should not be released to any but authorized persons almost all the correspondence and result of experiments were exchanged between dr wright langham 
at santa fe and dr bassett of the university of rochester this rule is still in effect on some of the material that dr bassett is using and knowledge of the experiments is kept from personnel at the rochester area polonium injections at rochester in addition to the subjects injected with plutonium and uranium at rochester five subjects were chosen for an experiment with polonium the purpose of the experiment was to determine the excretion rate of polonium after a known dose as well as to analyze the uptake of polonium in various tissues the primary investigator for these experiments was dr robert m fink assistant professor of radiology and biophysics at the university of rochester four patients were injected with the element and one ingested it all five patients selected for this study were suffering from terminal forms of cancer lymphosarcoma acute lymphatic leukemia or chronic myeloid leukemia it is unclear why patients with malignant diseases were chosen as subjects in this experiment but excluded from the subject pools for the plutonium and uranium experiments there is no discussion in the 1950 final report on the polonium experiments of the possibility that patients with malignant diseases might have abnormal metabolism and the excretion data were employed right away in the establishment of occupational safety standards the final report unlike other reports on the manhattan district metabolism studies briefly discusses the question of consent Quote, the general problem was outlined to a number of hospital patients with no previous or probable future contact with polonium of the group that volunteered as subjects four men and one woman were selected for the excretion studies outlined below End quote. this statement leaves no clear impression of what the subjects actually were told like the experiments with plutonium and uranium the human polonium experiment was a classified component of the metabolism program still this report provides a contrast to the contemporaneous reports on the manhattan district plutonium and uranium experiments which make no mention of consent and which do not refer to the patient subjects as volunteers end of section 28 Recording by Patrick McAfee, Evanston.